Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Tugra Sporting Complex. It's the regional bash. Guru, you got a problem? Yeah, mate. Yeah, too loud. <laughs> uh, we're live from the regional bash. Country women's cricket, the T20. And it got underway last night with a couple of fantastic games. Good morning. Welcome to the weekend. So, last night, Central Coast have had one of their best wins of all time at this level. Guru, good morning, mate. And uh, tell us more. Yeah, good morning, Steve. Great to uh, see you here and great to be at Tugra for the female country championships here. And... Uh, Look, it was a fantastic occasion last evening, the first game, and for the first time ever, Central Coast actually recorded a, a victory in this competition. It's only been going three years, but and they did it in great style over the Coffs Coast Chargers, the, the Coffs Harbour outfit, who actually were, were runners-up in last year's competition. So a fantastic team performance, and uh, look, they'll enter today's two games against Newcastle and Northern and Bolters with, it, with a fair bit of confidence. Yeah, uh, Grace Dignam, captain of the side. Now, tell us about her knock. You would have seen it, uh, 69, but... Wow, what a performance, and uh, plenty of fours in that knock as well. Yeah, look, Grace came in. She batted, she batted number three, and uh, and look, we lost an early wicket there. Ella Bridge um, went out very early in the in the first over, but Grace took a little while to get going, so she really established herself. But as the, the back end of the innings there, she, she exploded with 69.50. She hit nine boundaries, and just her ability in the last few overs... Uh, to actually find the boundary which just really pro- propelled us to a really very competitive score of 139. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about Grace Dignam. So Grace, is, so she's a local girl, so she plays local cricket this year for Terrigal Match, but she's had a very uh, esteemed junior career, so she plays first grade cricket for Northern Districts in the Sydney Premier Competition. She's only she's only 20 years of age and uh, last year she captained the New South Wales ACT Country Under-19 side. She's been a member of that side for, for a number of years now and uh, look, she's really, really progressing she's captain of this side and her leadership was fantastic yesterday and really and really put the foot down I suppose on a, on a side that, that's come together a lot of these girls haven't been playing cricket for a long time but they really gelled together as a team and, and her leadership was fantastic yeah and so when she comes in they're against one of the heavyweights of the competition they're under enormous pressure when she comes in in the end 69 not out great job by Amy Cunningham as well at the top of the order yeah look her and uh, and Grace put on, uh, they really steered the innings and, and Amy who was their shining light last year she's vice captain of the side she captained last year and she got a half century last year but yesterday uh, she stayed she got 31. It was actually Amy who was actually got the innings going early. She was able to hit a few boundaries while Grace was still establishing herself, and she really, you know, enabled the innings to really get a bit of impetus before she was dismissed. And and Molly Kidd at the end, she's only she's another youngster who came in. She got 26 off 26 balls, and really, yeah, you know, with along with Grace, they really finished the innings off off really well. So a really solid batting performance. Yeah. So the Central Coast rush five for 139, and Coffs Coast Chargers seven for 110. There was another game last night as well. Newcastle, we talk about heavyweights. 
So they're one of the favourites for the competition. They played last night as well. Yeah, look, they played the afternoon. They played the Northern England Bolters, which are based around Tamworth. And, and look, and they were just far too strong. They dismissed the Bolters for 61 with a very, very even bowling performance. I think Sienna Eve is a fantastic player. She took three wickets. And then it only took eight overs for, for Newcastle to, to pass that total for the loss of one wicket. So, uh, so they're certainly the heavyweights of this competition. They take on Central Coast this morning and what should be a great game. Hey, what about last night? T20 World Cup... Uh, uh, there was part of me just loving the action, Afghanistan and their fighting qualities. Another part of me was devastated because I think the reigning champs, the Aussies might go out depending on what happens with England and Sri Lanka. Yeah, look, it's been one of those competitions for Australia in the, in the, in the world, you know, the T20. And, um, yeah, look, last night Afghanistan first certainly took it to them. First with the bat, I think, yeah, we always go out with this, this ambition that we're going to score 200 runs, and I'm just not sure how that we've, we ever sort of achieved that. We sort of stopped, started with the bat. None of our top order can go on and get you know, a big score, which you're going to need to get a big total. And then and then with the with the the ball, apart from a period, that nine-ball period where we took four for four, I think you could say that Afghanistan actually probably dominated that part of, part of the game. Yeah, well, let's relive a little of that right now because back at headquarters... Uh, we've got um, we've got some highlights of Rashid Khan not out. Forty-eight off twenty-three. Here we go. Richardson here. Oh, bang! <laughs> Over deep square leg into the pavilion. That's the biggest six we've seen tonight. Or at least the most forceful of the over. Richardson goes and over the top goes Rashid towards extra cover in the direction of the scoreboard. Has that gone as well? It sure has. Two big ones to finish over number 18. Hazelwood to Rashid on 22. This time he makes the contact he needs. It'll go all the way over the head of David Warner. Rashid swings at six. Oh, yeah, it is. Into the pavilion, over mid-wicket, he keeps it alive. Yeah, great stuff. That's uh, Adam Collins calling for SEM. What a great commentator. Oh, fantastic commentary. And you know what I like about Rashid Khan? Like, he's played a lot of his, his big bash cricket at the Adelaide Oval, but even at the end of the innings where they were needing 20-odd you know, off eight, and he was saying, don't worry, guys, I'll get this. You know, if it's only going to be fours or six, I'm not taking singles, and I'm, I'm going to try and clear the boundary. And he, he gave it a fair crack as well. Yeah, there was one. I think it was the penultimate ball that he mishit. And if that had gone for six, they were a real chance of stealing the match. Well, exactly. They only had to go for four even at the end of the day. I think they needed nine. It might have been nine off two balls to go, and they only got the, the two runs from, from that, that effort there. But, uh, look, he certainly brought them back into the game. And I think it just highlights Australia's just lack of, I suppose, ability with the ball to, to totally out. They, they left Mitch Stark out for... Yeah, I just oh, ludicrous, I, mate. He's, he's our best. You saw what he did in yeah, Brisbane. He's our white ball bowler. Yeah, it's just been the, the whole way they've used Mitchell Stark through this whole tournament. Is that apart from the first game with the, where against New Zealand, he hasn't opened the bowling. He's come on first change. You know, you want him there bowling fast, swinging the ball with with a new ball early on to see if he can get some wickets. But then they leave him out, and by leaving him out, we just become same, same, same. Kane Richardson, I think, is a good one day bowler. Had a bad night last night. Hazelwood, Cummins, and Cameron Green. All, all bowl the same, just right arm, fast, medium, hit the deck, and it was just become so predictable. And Stoinis, he was bowling last night, and uh, the slower ball yeah. was about all that he had, and he yeah. got tonked. Yeah, exactly. Apart uh, from Zampa, who bowled really well with his leg spin in the middle of the innings, the rest of them just looked so, yeah, it looked 
yeah, a bit off the pace. <laughs> I think you, that's probably how Australia's whole campaign is. You sound like you're shattered. Hey, uh, Glenn Maxwell, uh, man of the match, 54 off 32, six fours, two sixes. Uh, you know, came in with real purpose. Uh, Mitchell Marsh made 45 off 30, had a life with a, a drop catch, which I think really did turn the match in a lot of ways. Yeah, that, that's right. Then you you go back, to, you know, even at the top of the order with David Warner. Like David Warner's hitting the ball so well. You know, I think he had 25 off 18, and all of a sudden does what tries to do the switch into a medium pace and gets bowled. Like, it's just... With their batting at the top of that, that, they just get themselves out. They get set, get on top, and Mitch Marsh is certainly guilty of this. Well, gets something, gets 30 off 24, 25, and then gets out. Mm. And then a new batsman comes in. So instead of someone at the top, three or four, going on and getting 70, 80, which is what you need to do to really propel you to that from 160 to 180, 200 scores. And we haven't, we haven't done that the whole tournament. Hey, Guru, I think we maybe saw one of the best T20 knocks that we've ever seen the other night. And it was between India and Bangladesh, and it was Linton Doss. Uh, have I pronounced yeah, that correctly? Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the greatest knocks I've ever seen. So he makes sixty off twenty seven. Real shame about the rain delay because I think that hampered their chances. He was on fire. Wasn't it amazing? Like so, so not many people probably know Linton Dust, but he's had he's one of the leading one day or T Twenty players in world cricket at the moment. So because we don't see a lot of Bangladesh, they play a lot of T Twenty cricket. But he's yeah, he's a standout T20 performer. Or actually, performer across all formats, to be perfectly honest. But that innings the other night, he just took on India's bowling attack. And just, there was no fear. No fear or favour. He just went at it and, you know, he just, I think it was, what, seven, four, three, sixes. And just, you know, it was fantastic to watch. It really was. And, yeah. Yeah, we spoke about the Minnows uh, previously about whether they should be involved in it. But they've provided some wonderful highlights this, this tournament. In fact, you could probably argue that they're the ones that have created all the interest at this stage of the tournament. Couldn't agree more. I think it's been a fantastic week after the first week we had a lot of washouts. And I think the other great game as well was England versus uh, New Zealand. That was up at the Gabba in Brisbane. And, you know, plenty at stake because they're in our pool. Yeah, exactly right. And that was, that was a make or break for England, really. They had to win win that game. Probably not as much pressure on New Zealand in, in, in that sense because they, they had the game obviously with Ireland in hand they only had to win that game but England certainly stepped up and and you now to me I believe that they'll still win to win the competition because when you know, they just seem to be just hitting that form they had that washout against Australia had that, that loss, to, loss earlier uh, on as well uh, but now I think that they are, you know, that they'll Come in today, they'll they'll beat Sri Lanka, I think, quite comfortably, and I, I think that they'll they'll go on with Hales and Butler getting runs the other night at the top of the innings. They've got the firepower to score big runs. Yeah, you said about the minnows. Now I'd like to ask Butes about this when we cross to him, and that might be after our first break. But uh, we're seeing at the Rugby League World Cup these massive blowouts. But in T20, it's the abbreviated form of the game. So we spoke about this at length off air. You wonder whether. You know, the kangaroos, if they're travelling through Europe, if they play some of these smaller nations in a shorter format of, of the game. Like, and, I'm, yeah, I'm just throwing this out there. Two 20-minute halves. Yeah. Oh, uh, the thing, I, I don't disagree with you. The only trouble with, you know, you find with the, the rugby league is, is the minnows there are, are just full of really NRL players anyway, you know, of, of, of where they come from heritage. So you're not, you can't... Then if the kangaroos go, you're not going to be able to pull those players in from Australia or wherever yeah. or New Zealand. To, it's it's to a good do... point. So you shot down my idea within seconds. Yeah, yeah, I did. But I like the idea. But that, that, that until they can generate their own playing pool of players, which I'm not sure that it's, it's big enough to do that. But whatever they just pulling in players who... So, so that's know, the beauty of the T20 is, like you just said a moment ago, we're seeing players that we've maybe never heard of here in Australia. 
but they're superstars in the game worldwide. You're right there. So, so countries like Ireland, Netherlands, uh, Zimbabwe, Bangladesh, they play more T20 cricket than what Australia does because that's the only cricket that they play. So when, when they play their, their emerging nations tournaments, they play predominantly T20 cricket. Mm. Um, so, so they're well-versed in the game. Um, and as I said, the shorter you make the format, the better chance they have. And, you know, you often hear people say, oh, I should get my kids into golf or tennis. Yeah. T20 cricket is where you should get them into because that's where the money is, correct? Well, I think it, it, there's going to be a huge change in the landscape over the next two to three years, Steve, is that, is that the international players will be contracted to T20 franchise, to an Indian T20 franchise. So they will forego a contract, a central contact with Australia. Trent Bolt did it with New Zealand, backed out of New Zealand. Still available to play for New Zealand, but I don't want to be tied to New Zealand. So I want to still be able to go out and play T20 cricket. So, so, what, so gun, gun for hire. Yeah, so, and already there's been approaches by a number of Indian uh, franchises to Australian players saying, you become contracted to us for 12 months and then we'll still release you to go play for Australia. But... These franchises, they've got sides that play in every T20 competition around the world. So if you're the, the, the Delhi Charge, whatever, you've got a team playing in the Pakistan, in the Caribbean. And, and so, so if you're their, their franchise player, you go and play in these T20 competitions. And they get paid more than what... They'll pay more than what Australia could play in a central contract, which we're not talking the Pat Cummins, but if you're, the, if you're in the bottom half of that contract pool... You know, like Tim David got an IPL contract for $1.6 million for, what's that, 12 weeks' work. There's actually not many Aussies that are playing in the IPL, is there? No, because they don't get picked up that much now. You know, that, that's the, it's because they don't play a lot of T20 cricket, it's that they're not the T20 flavour. Yeah. You, know, they, they, you, look, you watch the way we play T20 cricket. Really, we're still playing, might as well be playing the same as we play our 50-over cricket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We don't see someone like a, a Finn Allen for New Zealand who come out and hits... Yeah, walks down the wicket to Josh Hazelwood's second ball, hits him over his head for six, gets 42 off 16 balls. He may fail the next game, but that's what they like. Yeah. You know, that, that's a cricket. They want, they want fearless batters. They want bowlers who can bowl all number of deliveries. Yeah. And, and we haven't got that. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's just paint a picture before we go to our first break. So they're warming up for the first games. So Central Coast up against Newcastle. That's going to be massive. It's on the southern field here at Tugra Sporting Complex. When I came in, it looked like they were warming up to some kind of Beyonce soundtrack, uh, doing some dance moves, the girls. And now on the northern, northern field, it's Coffs up against Northern Inland. So that should be a fantastic game as well. Beautiful conditions here. Have you done the Tony Gregg pitch report? Yeah, the pitch are really good. Our curators, John Ranger and Paul Dees, do a fantastic job. But just a bit of an update. So so Central Coast are going to bat first against Newcastle and Coffs Coast Charge are going to bat first over against the Northern Inland Bolters. So there's a good... Obviously, Central Coast, I imagine, would have won the toss. So it's a, a good opportunity for them to, to put a score on the board. Hey, by the way, give us your thoughts on the Aussies. 0477-736-736. The Aussies in both... Uh, Rugby League and also in the T20 last night against Afghanistan. We won by four runs and now it all comes down to England versus Sri Lanka. 0477 736 736, the tax line. Open line 1300 42 1533. Saturdays on the coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary and McDonald Jones Homes on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. 
Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Tugra Sporting Complex, the regional bash, country women's cricket, and the Central Coast about to go at it against Newcastle. Uh, can't wait for this game this morning. And Coffs up against Northern Inland. Overnight, you may have heard the Kangaroos have defeated Lebanon at the Rugby League World Cup, 48 points to four. Now, when I was watching this morning, I've heard the commentators, including Greg Alexander, saying the second half is as clunky as the Kangaroos have ever been, and maybe Mal Meninga won't be too happy with that performance. Let's go live to Coffs Harbour, where Michael Butner is at the Oztag Championships. Butes, good morning, mate, and what were your thoughts of the Kangaroos overnight? Good morning, boys, and what a great first segment. Burko, the career-best form, and CV, <laughs> you know, brilliant as per usual. Um, obviously, uh, the Aussies, I, I didn't see a lot of it, Steve, to be honest with you, just due to the fact that it started at 6.30, I'm here by 7 o'clock, but uh, the fact of the matter is the Aussies were very um, very good in the first half, and as you said, the, uh, a little bit clunky in that second half, uh, Addo Carr on fire, Nathan Cleary as per usual, um, you know, steering the side around the park, um, a solid performance on them, and obviously still, I guess, for uh, Mal Meninga, uh, the selection dilemma as to which way he goes... Um, I think it's pretty apparent with the halfback uh, whether he brings Ben Hunt in uh, to start the next game against New Zealand with Harry Green on the bench. That's a big question. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Butes. Uh, how close do you think the side we had this morning was going to be to our, our semi-final, which is likely to be against New Zealand? Look, I've got to say, I think this is probably the most indecisive Mal Meninga has been in his probably coaching career when it comes to making selections. Uh, and I think there's a couple of aspects to that. I think the uh, the loyalty he has to DCE and the, the time he spent with him with the uh, the Queensland Origin side, uh, the fact that you've got a, a kid like Nathan Cleary who's in outstanding form, uh, Harry Grant and Ben Hunt who are both uh, clearly uh, the two best heart, two best uh, hookers in our game. Uh, and I think he'll lean towards that. Harry Grant played 80 minutes per day. Ben Hunt rested, and I think that's. Uh, just to get him prepared for the the, um, the New Zealand game. Uh, Munster, no doubt, will be the 5'8". And then, of course, you've got uh, Tedesco at fullback. So I think he's going to have to make that tough call and it's going to come sooner rather than later that uh, I think we'll see DCE um, unfortunately having to miss out uh, in, a, in a spot for that 17-man uh, squad against New Zealand. Yeah, that would be massive. Butes, what are you looking forward to over the weekend? I think it's early Monday morning our time. Samoa v Tonga in the quarterfinals. Yeah, How enormous look, I, is that? I, I look, I think it's probably been the most anticipated game of the World Cup, probably even before the World Cup started. Um, it was all heading that way, uh, Samoa v Tonga quarterfinal, and that's how it's played out. Um, you know what? I, these two sides uh, on paper are absolutely outstanding, and there's so much NRL experience. Uh, add to that the passion and the uh, the pride that they have representing their nation, uh, it's going to be an absolute cracker. And, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's a, a toss of the coin. Um, I don't I don't see any side having a real advantage, uh, if anything, possibly Tonga. But outside of that, it's going to be one hell of a game, boys. Butes, I've heard a few experts say that they're giving Papua New Guinea a chance against England. What about you? It's tomorrow morning, 1.30. Oh, I, I don't think so. I think we saw what England were able to do against Samoa. Uh, and Samoa went into that game. That was the first game of the tournament. Samoa went into that game as favourites. Um, I think um, a lot of people are probably underestimating England as a side, and that's not to say that um, PNG 
should be underestimated either, but I think England will be too strong and, and got plenty going for them. Uh, PNG have been, uh, look, I think they've been outstanding uh, throughout this tournament. They're all built like blocks of granite and uh, certainly <laughs> run hard and tackle hard. There's no doubt about that. But uh, for me, England will have too much skill ultimately and it might be close for the first 40, maybe even 60 minutes. But I think the skill of England and their side will be too strong and their experience uh, will get them across the line. Yeah, and tomorrow morning around 6.30, New Zealand versus their neighbours, Fiji. I think I saw, was it Nelson Asofa Solomona said he's going to protect Jerome Hughes. And if, if the big man has said that, I'd be worried. Well, I'd be pretty happy if I'm Jerome Hughes. That's all I know. <laughs> if, I've, if I've got big Nelson protecting me, I don't know whether you saw the highlights of the fight last night, boys. Um, Ernie and uh, Leilua. Uh, Lula, <laughs> Late Lua. Kiki, Kiki Luella. Lula. Yeah, Lua, that's Luella. Luella. My goodness. What a, <laughs> they were two brick walls with punching gloves just going at each other. It was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I dare say, if I've got Nelson Asafasola, uh, Solomon uh, protecting me, then I'm pretty happy. Um, yeah. The next best thing could be even, uh, could be Hooney, but outside of that. And you know what it actually got me thinking this morning? Um, Paul Gallon took on. Hooney, and it, you know, just puts into perspective how tough Paul Gallon is um, as a boxer, because these guys last night absolutely went hammer and tong for ten rounds and did not hold anything back. Yeah, it's one of the best uh, heavyweight fights I've seen. I think we had three goes at getting his name, and we we all blew it. So it's Kiki Lutelli. <laughs> uh, That's the one. And, That's him. And I kind of, I really enjoyed post fight where he was interviewed, and uh, you know. They said, you should be really proud of your performance. And he said, well, why? I didn't win. So that sums up, for me, that sums up like, uh, I mean, too many athletes are happy with a gallant loss, right? Yeah, Yeah, no, exactly right, mate. Yeah, the other thing I liked about it was in the going to the last round and and Huni's corner says, "Mate, just jab and move, jab and move." There was no jabbing and move. I'm standing and swinging yeah. from the car park. It was it was so good to watch. Yeah. It was a really with his broken hand, obviously. Yeah, when they took the glove off, mm. so you know that would have blown up this morning as well. So that's going to be a real setback for him. But Guru, you did some research, so. Hooney's still a very young man. Yeah, so he's 23 years of age, so he's only just starting in his boxing career. Remember, he, he missed the the, the, um, was it the Commonwealth Games Olympic game because he hurt himself the hand, same hand when he when he fought Gallon. So he's only just starting starting his career. Yeah, really. and uh, I agree with what the commentators are saying. If he could get like uh, an opponent who's maybe top 10 or top 15 in the heavyweight division, like uh, can't wait to see what unfolds for him. Jai Opatai is in the same boat. What a phenomenal talent. Hey, Butch, you, you heard the first break. What were your thoughts of the T20 World Cup this week, and in particular the Aussies versus Afghanistan last night? So Aussies yeah, home by heard, four runs in a thriller. Yeah, I heard Burjo talking about, you know, uh, great to see the Aussies win, but also um, the loss. Uh, not getting them out for 106 or, yeah, not uh, closing that net run rate, which is also important. I guess a couple of things for the Aussies now, they've got to pray for rain uh, for this England uh, Sri Lanka game, or I hope the Sri Lankans can get the job done because uh, the net run rate's not going to be enough uh, to get them through the semi-finals. And to be honest with you, that probably, you know, the way they've played and you know the style of cricket that they have played, and you know Berge summed it up again where he said that you know it's a different style. A lot of the other nations uh, are really specific about their T20 cricket. The Aussies quite just haven't quite got it yet. I think we've got a couple of players who can. Play that style. Stoinis being one of them. I think Mitchell Marsh being another. And 
uh, Glenn Maxwell. Outside of that, I think we're still too regimented and, you know, one-day cricket-like in terms of our approach and probably even to the extent with our bowling attack. Um, you know, the, the likes, likes of Hazelwood and Cummings, I'm not so sure that they're at that T20 type calibre of bowler. Um, I saw what the, the Afghanistans did last night, those last four overs. Uh, and of course, Rashid Khan. But, you know, those last four overs, the Aussies really struggled to get any runs. And it was probably for mine the big difference between a scoreline of 180, 190, uh, as opposed to that 168 that they got um, and just seemed to struggle to get there. At the moment, uh, just a quick update. So, Play is underway here in the Central Coast batting. And, Gary, can you tell us who's on strike at the moment? We saw a couple of runs just a moment ago for the Central Coast team against Newcastle. Yeah, so we've got Amy Cunningham on strike. So she's uh, she's got a couple of runs on the board. And she's opening with Ella Bridge from, from Terrigal Matcham. So, um, so yeah, a good, uh, a good start there by the Central Coast. And hopefully we can get off to a good start. Yeah, and a left-arm bowler from the northern end of the arena here at Tugra Sporting Complex. Butes, uh, can you just paint a picture for us? This is the 2022 Australian Oztag Senior Championships. Play got underway yesterday and goes through until tomorrow, but I dare say it's absolutely enormous up there in Coffs Harbour. Yeah, big tournament, boys. We've probably got about 20-odd fields going, 25 fields going at the moment. Uh, players ranging from 20 through to over 60s. And you have male, female, mixed teams. And um, it's actually World Cup selection. The World Cup in 2023, heading off to Ireland. And um, so it's World Cup selection time. So uh, plenty on the line for these players. I would dare say there's probably about 150 to 200 teams competing. So it's a big tournament. Uh, we'll be here till probably about 3, 4 o'clock this afternoon and then finals on tomorrow, which will be a massive day. Yeah, Butes, and are you already on the plane to Ireland or do you have to do something special up there? Uh I'll, I'll try my best to do something special, but uh, due to my role, I'll be on the plane already, mate. My ticket's booked. First class, boys. First class. 1A. Hey, anything else you want to say to us, Butes? Have a great show. You're killing it. <laughs> if, I could sum, if I could sum it up in two words, Steve, you know what they'd be? Yeah, outstanding. Outstanding. Correct. <laughs> yeah, good luck, mate. Have a great weekend in Coffs Harbour, and thanks for joining us. Good on you, boys. Have a great weekend. Oh, and happy birthday, too, for last weekend. The penultimate birthday before the big one. Sounds like Butes is gone. He's hung, <laughs> he's hung straight up. Doesn't like, doesn't like the birthday. Doesn't like that, that announcement there, mate. Yeah. A lot of, uh, lot of commitments up there in Coffs Harbour for Buttes. Uh, yeah. You know, with, with that, with the Oztag, though, like that, when, you, when you celebrate a, a major milestone in, in any of the master sport, all it means you move up another division. <laughs> hey. yeah. So you go from being the older one and the young one, all of a sudden the young one and the old in the next yeah. one up. So. I had one of my best results in surf life saving at the bottom of the age group. Like, oh, right, I, I yeah. just, just yeah. turned 40. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, you're racing someone who's maybe five years older, yeah. but it, it's just a number, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, depends Correct. how... Depends how much work you put in. Off to a break here. The show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. We'll tell you more about an open day that's coming up soon if you'd like to work for Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Next, we'll talk Melbourne Cup. What a win. I really love this on Tuesday. Gold trip, the top weight, getting the job done in the 162nd Melbourne Cup. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Tugra Sporting Complex. We need to go straight to Brownie for a recap of Tuesday's Melbourne Cup with Gold Trip getting the job done. WA jockey on board, Mark Zara, and the trainer, Kieran Ma. Brownie, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. And you always like Gold Trip, but you had a few doubts over the uh, Gold Trip being the top weight. Yes, morning boys. Yeah, that, that was the scenario really, that not too many top weights uh, win Melbourne Cups over the years, history has said, but he did really take strong form into that race. And it's probably fair to say it wasn't the strongest Melbourne Cup we've had uh, for some years. And 57.5 kilos, but his lead-up runs in both the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate were just outstanding references. But yeah, I, I had him as my favourite of the overseas horses. Uh, and the best chance of those, uh, and just that little bit of uh, concern about the 57.5 kilos, but no, um, but the, the class just shone to the top there, and uh, and it was a fantastic victory. He was very, very good, and uh, look, it was it was a good race too. Emissary, Frank, that Geelong Cup form once again, and stormed down the middle late. Looked like he was actually going to win, but then guys, uh, then Gold Trip just kept kicking, and uh, then you had high emotion. A roughy, really, really didn't see high emotion figuring in the top half of the field, uh, but uh, but he ran well and. Back in fourth, um, Deauville legend, the favourite, ran a very good race too, but I don't know if he got the 3,200 metres of the trip. But, uh, you know, there was a couple of disappointing. I was really disappointed in both Montefilia and Douay. I, uh, I thought they were both really, really disappointing. But uh, all honours to Gold Trip, and um, it was just a fantastic performance. Yeah, Brownie, Gary Birkinshaw here. Mate, I think the fact that Knight's order went went so went yes. went for home so far out, I reckon it really it really made sure that if you had a horse that couldn't run thirty two hundred metres, you weren't going to win this win this race. Gaz, you're right, mate. Absolutely. I mean, I, when you Knight's order would go forward, it's sort of the way that Waterhouse trains the horses to be up on speed and uh, and to do that. So there was a good tempo ensured uh, there. And, yeah, I, I basically said anybody had had a ticket for Knight's order at about the midway mark uh, really had, had no luck of the horse sticking on. So they've run it, run it along at a decent enough clip. And so that's what probably made a couple of the runs back in the field just that little bit disappointing. Uh, there's a few that had sort of genuine excuses for not handling the wet track, uh, which was fair enough. But, um, look, out of the race there, we will see a couple of these horses um, probably back up in something like the Zipping Classic over the coming weeks. Uh, but today, boys, we've got some fantastic racing at Flemington again. Uh, we get to see uh, the, the champion stakes. This is going to be great. Animo, what, what a horse Animo is. Uh, racing today and uh, it's sort of like a another Cox Plate uh, with Animo taking on a bunch of the same sort of horses. But what I can see today is I'm actually tipping I'm thunderstruck to just beat uh, Animo today. So I think you'll get about 4 bucks fifty. about I'm thunderstruck. I'm a huge... I love this horse. He's such a good horse. I actually think he's a better miler than 2,000 metre horse, but he's got so close and I think he is going to absolutely lap up Fleming today, I'm thunderstruck, and I think he might be able to just um, finish over the top of Animo. They'll probably make their runs. Animo will be in front. Uh, then he'll uh, just have that, that, that long straight there at Flemington to run him down. And I think it's also going to be that the good track that they've got there today is going to see uh, I'm thunderstruck, given every opportunity to beat Animo today in what's going to be a terrific race. I can't wait for that one. Uh, we've got the sprint as well, the Daly Sprint, where we get to see Nature Strip, the world's best-rated sprinter, up against Giga Kick again. Uh, 
uh, Giga Kick undefeated won the Everest. Uh, they're going to be uh, at it again today. I, I'm I'm sort of leaning a little bit towards the new the new the new horse in Giga Kick maybe to uh, to be able to beat Nature Strip again. I think another horse in that race which can run really well is uh, is Paul Laley at a big price. So maybe a place bet on Paul Laley. Um, I'm just going to forgive the last that word flop. Uh, but the third track today, uh, Flemington, I, I think Paul Laley also can run well. But I'm leaning towards Digger kicking that. And, guys, I'll also say that there is one in Sydney, I think, too, that can run a race today uh, at a good price back on top of the ground is a horse called Jamea. Uh, is around the $12 mark and worth an each-way ticket in Sydney today. So that's pretty much how I'm playing it today, boys. Yeah, yeah, we love it, Brownie. And uh, you, you missed the Champions Mile, Private Eyes, with Brenton... Uh, Avdala on board has been in superb form as well, including racing in Sydney. That's right. Well, you've you've got Private Eye as well stepping uh, stepping up to the mile. So how Private Eye goes? Look, the horse is flying. Gee, it has just turned the corner. This prep and just turned into a uh, an incredible, um, massive turnaround for class. Um, and and I think look, yeah, I think the horse is going to be very very strong. You can't doubt it. Just stepping up a bit in trip, but the horse has been back. Uh, quite heavily uh, through the week, so that's a good sign that that Private Eye is going to run a, a big, big race today. That's for sure. Hey, Brownie, I know you're short on time, uh, but you did promise me that on Saturdays on the coast, you give us Brownie's wine of the week. Now, last night you called me, you called me, and I couldn't wind you up. We were on the phone for about 45 minutes. Once we started talking red wine, we found out oh, one of the Central Coast girls has just tonked one. Do you reckon that's a four or a six? Uh, it's a four. Yeah, beautiful work here at Tugra Sporting Complex. Yeah, Browning told us last night that he's got some form with a Rimba Lizaro in cricket as well back in the day. But, Brownie, your wine no, of the week. two games, actually, mate. No, I, I only played two games with my son, Connor. Um, I came out of retirement after about 25 years and played a couple of games with him. So, uh, love, love, the, uh, love the magpies. Yeah, and weren't you top scorer in one of those games? Talk yourself up, mate. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yes. It was. It was. I think I top scored with forty-two in. Uh, in I think it was fifth grade or something. So yeah, um, it yeah, do- doesn't matter what grade it is. A, no, a few years ago. Now about three years ago. First first game in about twenty-five years it was. But um, happy to play for the Maggies. They're a great club, and there's there's some great guys there. They they really are a tremendous cricket club. I, I love love my time. The brief time I had with them as. Uh, as did with my young fella, Connor. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Now, Brownies Wine of the Week. What have we got? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you the one that I just told, that I told you last night. There's a place called Timonies in Sydney, uh, and they've got a 2014 Cyril's Special Release Shiraz, uh, which is $31.95. And I kid you not, it drinks like an $80 bottle every day of the week. So... Uh, Tyrrell's 2021 special release Shiraz and this is a one-off mate we ain't doing wine of the week yeah right really oh, I think it's got I think this segment's got legs <laughs> I can see a sponsor well, mate, mate, okay, that's well, what Brownie said to me last case, night if, a case, if another case turns up on the doorstep we'll back up next week <laughs> good on you mate thanks for your time and get back to work good on you boys take care and happy punning today yeah, Brownie joining us, yeah, and as always, uh, gamble responsibly. Uh, Saturdays on the coast, text line 0477 736 736, the open line 1300 42 15 33. His 
tip in Sydney, you pricked your ears up. Yeah, Jamea, yeah. It's, it's, been, it's so hard to line the form up in Sydney at the moment because they've been on so many wet tracks and now they're starting to dry out. I think you'll find some that have, have form has been not that good or, or jump out of the ground, and I think that could be one of them. Yeah, off to another break. We'll come back and give you an extensive update of what's happening here. Looks like the Central Coast girls are off to a fantastic start against their nemesis, Newcastle, and the game on the northern field is Coffs who went down last night, a, a massive upset against the Central Coast girls. They're taking on Northern Inland from the Tamworth region. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back live at Tugra Sporting Complex and the Central Coast team off to a fantastic start. We'll update you in just a moment, but we just wanted to roll in highlights from Tuesday's Melbourne Cup. And this is the win by Gold Trip down the straight at Flemington. At the 450, led by two-league smoke and Romans. Here's Dover Legend presenting and Gold Trip down the outside. Emissary is behind those. Gold Trip moves up, takes the lead from Dover Legend. 250 metres to go. Emissary running on. Gold Trip, 150 metres to go, wondering about getting tired. Emissary is trying very, very hard, but Gold Trip is brave. 100 to go, a length and a half, Emissary. Gold Trip is going to win the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Gold Trip wins it in a real staying contest for the ages. Two legs Emissary, late third, high emotion, then Dover Legend. Yeah, fantastic stuff. I've got to say, I thought the run by High Emotion was absolutely outstanding, but just left the run a little too late. Love the story as well that, you know, Mark Zara, I think this time last year, said he was drinking beers in Byron Bay because he missed the ride on Very Elegant. Yeah, that's right. He was part of the um, the Airbnb um, little escapade where a few of the jockeys went up to him and it was absolutely been suspended or disqualified from riding for a six-month period. So they said, yeah, he had the ride on Very Elegant, missed out on that. So full credit to him, he's, he's, he's fought back from that, that setback, which was his own doing, and for him to, to show the discipline to come back and, and got just rewards on Tuesday. It's uh, one of those sports that just has some sensational stories. Yeah, I, I, there always is. And that's why, that's why it's, it's such a big event in Australia. It's the, it's the horse race that, that stops the nation. And every, every horse in that cup had, yeah, has a story about it. And, and people talk about you, know, you look in the crowd afterwards, and even just to have a runner there, yeah, you see people in tears because just to get to the Melbourne Cup is such is such a journey. Um, it's a unique event. It takes a, a lot of luck to get a horse there, a lot of fantastic uh, horsemanship from trainers and everyone involved to actually get a runner there, let alone win the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, Kieran Ma, Warrnambool, uh, is that where he's originally from? Yeah, that, that's right. So he's there. He shares it with David Eustace. David Eustace is a New Zealander. So, so just for them to come together and, and have a horse, and he's at Warrnambool, got his own stable there, and just to get that, that winner, and it just means so much to them. And uh, over the whole Spring Carnival, there's been some fantastic stories of just people starting out, people who haven't had many opportunities, getting winners in, in Group 1 stakes races. So yeah. it's been really good. I must have been nostalgic on Tuesday because 
one thing I love about Cup Day, when they go past the post for the first time, I almost had a tear in my eye, just hearing the roar of the crowd. And let's not forget, we've had a couple of years of the pandemic where crowds have been down. Yeah, look, you have 80,000 people there on, on the Monday. And look, it, as, as they go past the post the first time, I've been lucky enough to be to a couple of Melbourne Cups. It's just the roar. It's like it's like the, the first bounce at, a, at an AFL grand final. You yeah. know, it's just there. Or the, the Boxing Day test. Exactly right, yeah. And they just they go past it the first time. And then, then there's a lull while they go around the back. And then when they come up the straight again, because it's such a long straight. And I think Mark Zara said, you know, you, you know, when you never realise how far away that the winning post is is when you're in front of a Melbourne Cup. You yeah. know, and and you know, it just seems a mile away. And I did see last night that one of the owners of Gold Trip was actually furious with Mark Zara because he was three wide for a lot of the race. Yeah, yeah. Look, and you know, I, I think that's why that's why you, you make sure you get the right jockey on there, and like, they can take instructions to a certain degree. But a lot of times, a lot of times with the instructions is that um, is, is that yeah, you know, as soon as you jump out of the barrier, is that those instructions could be out, out of the window and. Yeah. Um, there, we just saw a wicked well, Amy just fell out to a catch there, so that was disappointing for Central Coast. But yeah, yeah, but it's been a great start by the Central fan, Coast fan, girls. Fantastic start by the Central Coast and probably leads into our, our next interview here, Steve. We've, we're lucky enough to have uh, Central Coast female representative coach Michael Phillips with us. So, uh, welcome, Michael. Thanks for joining us and, and a good start. Yeah, pretty happy with that. Um, always good to win the toss, I think, in these games, so you can uh, combat first. And yeah, the girls go off to a great start. Well, what are they? So, maybe one for 20 odd now? Yeah, I think I think we're probably closer to thirty at the moment. They have got their batting targets for the first six overs, so I'm sure they're over there tracking them quite closely. Yeah, and who's first drop? Uh, Grace Dignam, our captain. Uh, he's going out. She had a great day yesterday with sixty nine not out, a court and bowl, a run out, and uh, and, and our captain uh, did a wonderful job. Well, she made sixty nine not out yesterday. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So talk us through yesterday, Michael. So obviously we, we've ended the end of the tournament playing the, the runners-up of the previous year in Coast Charge. We haven't actually won a game in, in this competition. So, so leading into the game, what what was the instructions you gave the girls, and how was their preparation? Yeah, I think it was it was it was the girls probably lacked a bit of confidence actually because I didn't realise that was probably good that they hadn't won a game. They quickly pointed that out to me last night. But uh, yeah, look, the preparation was just mainly getting the right the right um, team together, getting the girls to, to play particular roles and know their roles, uh, and then sort of empowering them to tackle that and take it on. Hey, um, can you share some wisdom with us before we run up to the news? Who are some of the danger players with Newcastle? I'm, I'm trying to whisper here, like the whispering Ted Lowe. Uh, who are some of their danger players, and how will you try to nullify them? Well, the advantage we I, I think they're all danger players at Newcastle. They're all they're all very experienced and they're all playing a high level of cricket. So you can pretty much blanket the whole team. Uh, what a way to get off the mark! So Grace Dignam, the captain of the Central Coast, has just got off the mark with a four. Beautiful shot, Burko. It was a fantastic square cut there. I think uh, Jacqueline Vickery's bowling, so she's a good league spin bowler. But so, so Michael, rivalry with Newcastle. Obviously, they 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 always think they're better than us. There's there's no doubt about that. So I. I yeah, so they'll end the game with plenty of confidence, but but I think that, that we're getting to the stage where we don't fear them anymore. I think we're we're slowly, you know, as go through the junior levels, we can compete with them. Oh, I hundred percent agree. I think uh, I think we. I mean, you're right. The the rivalry starts very very young, and, and it has been. The girls have been seen like they were. Um, they could never beat Newcastle, but I think we started to extinguish that last year in the 15s. We beat them, I think, five times. Um, and then in the country champs, we're starting to feel more confident when we go out and play them. We don't see them as this giant we can't beat. Hey, Michael, can you come back and join us in the second hour? We'll let you go and uh, just check in with the girls because we're off to the news. But, wow, what an enormous result this would be if we could get the job done this morning and be 
two from two in the country championships. Uh, off to the news, Corey Shackleton is coming up soon, the coach of the Premiership winning Kalani Val Bombers. Brad Porter will join us as well, former Mariner, with an A-League and EPL update on Saturdays on the coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Tugra Sporting Complex. It's the Regional Bash Country Women's T20 Championships, and that's it. I'm not saying anything else about how good the Central Coast players are because, Guru, I put the commentator's curse on Grace Dignam. You certainly did. You just talked her up really well. And then, uh, well, she been, made 69 yesterday. It would have been two balls later, and she actually, unfortunately, got uh, got bowled. Um, so she's, she's out, unfortunately, but... Um, so Rochelle Davis is still with Ella Bridge, who's um, out in the back. So the game still pretty well. Obviously, losing probably two of their best bats in Amy and, and Grace within a couple of overs didn't help. But they're, they're about two for 30 off, off eight overs, so they're still progressing along quite nicely. And they've yeah. got plenty of batting still to come. Tell us about the ball that got Grace Dignam. Yeah, look, it was just it was just ball that pitched on off stump. It was just good line, good length, and, and hit the top of off stump, which as a bowler, is, is, is a, as a medium-paced bowler, that's exactly where you, where you tell them to bowl. And uh, it might have done a little bit off the seam, but, uh, yeah, certainly played played inside the line. And, um, yeah, it's all over, unfortunately. Yeah, and it was almost almost synchronised, but there was a wicket in the Coffs game as well against Northern Inland. Yeah, it was two, after having no wickets for a while, there was, there was two in, in virtually the same time, and they're going really well. They're about uh, one for 60, the Coffs Coast Chargers, so they're off to a bit of a flyer. Yeah, they are. So uh, right now, let's talk some AFL. Last night, Guru, I bumped into one of the Kalani Val Bombers players. They were about to hold their gala presentation night at Mingara, the premiers of 2022, and their coach joins us, Corey Shackleton. Good morning, Shack. Welcome back to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's, uh, it's, it's a long morning so far. Yeah, I bet it has been. Uh, as you know, Steve-O won a lot of awards at the Kalani Val Bombers, but who scooped the pool this year? Who won best and fairest? Uh, who got the coaches' award? Who's most versatile at the Premiers in 2022? Yeah, it was a good night. Um, and you're right, you did win a lot of awards at the Bombers, mate. But, uh, <laughs> for, uh, but, this, year, <laughs> but this year, the uh, yeah, the main prize, I guess, the best and fairest went to, to Josh Mishford. You know, he's the... He's a Rolls Royce in our midfield, so it was you know well deserved. Um, and you know he was pretty, he's a pretty emotional guy, and he was pretty pretty stoked to get the win of BNF. And obviously it's pretty special in a, in a year when you're the when you're the premier. So that was yeah. that was great. Um, most versatile went to the young jet uh, Luke Flack. He's he proved a you know, real pivotal cog for us in in big moments in matches where we could swing him forward or back and you know release him from the wing. So you know he for us was was definitely a, a very deserved winner of that award. And then. The coach's award went to one of our new players for the club this year, actually, a guy called Tom Sawyer. Uh, he played a half-forward role for us and just just does all the hard yards, all the hard work, all the little things. You know, he wears the GPS vest and he does about 16 Ks a week for us. So he's a, just a gut runner and, yeah, a really, really pleasure to coach. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, is Tom Sawyer the real name or a stage name? <laughs> no, that's his, that's his real name. That is his real name. <laughs> here you go, Shaq. Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. Congratulations on a, on a good year. And, Look, winning the best and fairest is, is at any time is fantastic. But to win it when your when your your team wins a wins a premiership is, is even a little bit extra special. Can you tell us a bit about Josh and what makes him so special? Yeah, you're right. I mean, to, to win to win in a, in a premiership year obviously does make it that little more special. And and in a midfield that you know was was quite strong. You know, Joshy was 
Joshy won the award and, and Rick White was runner up and, and Damien Hector was third, you know, so it was a it was a midfield year when it comes to um to the boats. Um but yeah, Joshy missed it. Like he's a he's an inside midfielder but you know, he's also so clean and so good with his delivery. Like he plays he plays almost like an outside player, but he's just an absolute inside midfielder. And this year, with all the rain, it actually it probably played into his hands because he's one of the cleanest players I've ever seen in wet weather footy. His ability just to, to pick the ball up and make it look like a dry day is, is second to none. So he almost had a had the advantage that he was playing dry weather footy all year and everyone else was running around in the mud. So, But uh, he, I think that's his fourth best and fairest, potentially, for Carnival. Like he's, he's up near now as one of the greats. You know, of, of the club with what he's achieved, and he's he's still only 25 or something. You know, like he's a uh, yeah, amazing, not a kid yeah, anymore, so but he's an amazing young man. So he's almost caught Paul Harrison, who's a five-time Best and Fairest winner. Uh, the other thing that stands out for me is the fact that Tim Oosterhoff wins the league Best and Fairest, but hasn't run top three in the club Best and Fairest. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that happens at times, doesn't it? Obviously, he catches the eyes of the umpires, you know, we kick a big bag of goals. Um, and I guess, I guess for us, he's still, he's still polled all right, but um, I guess for the guys doing the, the votes each week, and it's, and it's not actually me most of the time, but they, I guess just the, the awards were going to the guys that were doing the hard yards through the middle and probably looking at more of the, you know, the, the style and the way we want to play and the guys that are executing that. Um, yeah, Timmy finishes everything off, and obviously he's an extreme talent. Um, but yeah, it's always interesting to see how the you know Harvest and Sarah line up with you know the big awards. We see it in the Brownlow as well, don't you? Sometimes the Brownlow medalist might not win a club best and fairest. But but Timmy was our senior player of the year, obviously recognising what he'd achieved, Elliot Davy medal and kicking hundred goals in the season. So he got some due recognition as well for a great season. Hey Gaz, did that ever happen to you? It it certainly happened to me on on the Gold Coast under eighteen level, where you win a league best and fairest, but one of your players at your own club won the club best and fairest because... And he was an outstanding player, too, in the midfield. Yeah, no, I never won any league best and fairest, so it probably but, never happened to me. But, but you uh, but did I, set but, some records in I, country AFL, didn't you? I did, I did, but, um, but yeah, never won that, that league best and fairest. Yeah, I won a club best and fairest. You've but, got to um, share it with the audience. I, uh, I've seen it. It's hanging up in the pool room at your place. It is, yes. I did manage to <laughs> kick uh, 30 goals in, in the first-grade game um, up in Northwest, so, yeah, that, that's my claim to fame. Hey, Shaq, did you know that? He's almost done a Mick Smith. I, I didn't know that. That is a phenomenal effort. I've, that's the closest I've heard to someone ever getting close to his reach. So that's, that's an excellent effort. 30 goals. Wow. I didn't yeah. get that my whole life. <laughs> Pretty hard for fullback, Shaq. <laughs> hey, Shaq, uh, mate, were there any kind of special announcements last night? Because I've mentioned on this show before that I spoke to Rick White after the grand final and he thinks that, you know, that might be it for his stellar career. Can you... Elaborate on were there some emotional moments? Um, I actually put it on Rick when he came up on the stage and said, oh, and we're hearing rumours that you might not play. And Rick being Rick, he's pretty guarded. I, I think Rick will make his decision probably as we get closer after Christmas and how the body's going. I think he, I think he wants to still play footy, but as you know, as you get older, the Mondays and Tuesdays at work get a bit harder. And you know, he's got a young family now and spends a lot of time with them so you know being able to run around and keep up with them probably makes it harder when you, you bat it up um, and Rick plays that style of footy where you know his body's given a bit of punishment but no there was no announcements you know in that regard you know the only announcements probably really that was just we've got the same coaching group you know going again next year which is which is really nice um, but otherwise no we're, we're still hanging on to hope that we'll get Rick for another year 
Yeah, he's one guy that deserves to be chaired off the field at the Adelaide Street Oval. Uh, you need a couple of big guys to do it. But, um, yeah, he's been absolutely outstanding from the moment he came through as a junior and with an incredible motor. He was a, an elite 800-metre runner. You know, we know that he's 6'4", you 6'5", know, and thumping left foot kick and really strong and powerful as well. Guru? Yeah, look, a fantastic player, Rick. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot, Shaq, about the night last night, but, but I, I'm led to believe that the, the big story was before the night had even, <laughs> even happened, as, as players were were going into the event, that they, they walked past an esteemed radio host just coming fresh from a, a yoga session. So he was in his leotard and coming out from yoga. Can you, can you clarify a little bit more on that? I can't confirm nor deny that, but it does sound right. I did, I did hear some rumours. I didn't witness it, but I did hear some rumours. Yeah. Hey, uh, can we um, just move the conversation to a bit of a sad note, Shaq? Did you ever get the opportunity to meet Kenny Williams at the Sydney Swans? Uh, he's passed this week at the age of 93, and I think this is one that's touched everyone. My wife, Sharon, sent me a message earlier in the week, and... Yeah, the heart and soul of the change rooms. There's been some beautiful tributes, including Jude Bolton. He's had a couple of thousand likes of a post that he put up. But, yeah, what a man. Just absolutely incredible. You said, Guru, that did Tony Lockett, try, Tony Lockett tried to kill him one day at the SCG? Yeah, so when Tony was... So, so Kenny Williams and his family, they used to always line up behind, on, right on the fence, right behind the goals and... It was this particular day they play. It was when Tony was playing for for St Kilda, and it was a game where he um, he, he actually put an elbow on Peter Cave and broke his nose, and and the Swans actually uh, St Kilda made a big comeback to win the game. So so Tony Lockett's run into an open goal, and and when he's kicked the ball, like Kenny would have been no no more than would have been five metres away, and Tony's kicked, it and and Kenny and his family have all dived for covers, dived for cover under the fence. It was one of the funniest things things you ever see, but it was a you know. He was just such a passionate you know, Swan supporter. Born, born in South Melbourne, then moved to Sydney. He was a jockey, worked with TJ Smith, but he was a regular there behind the goals in the, in, in the circle when they, when, they, uh, when they sung the song after the game and a regular at training. So, look, a sad loss for, for the Swans. And, um, and look, we pass on our best, to, to obviously, to his family. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Shaq? Yeah, I mean, I obviously never never got to meet the guy. I've obviously seen a lot of him, and, and I think it um, it does resonate. I mean, you might remember Bob Brown, you know, Kalanibal circles. Yeah, I think every club has has someone, you know, like that. It just, you know, really does touch the players and you know, mean so much. So I can only imagine, you know, how much like the likes of Jude Bolton and those guys that are, you know, tight in that Sydney circle would would feel and be hurting because, yeah, like I mean, those guys that bleed to the club. You know, a pretty special people. So it is a it is a sad day for, for the Swans and for footy to see those guys like a Laurie Nichols, I guess. Yeah, and uh, as soon as you started to mention that, I thought about Bob Brown. Like you know, he had his spot upstairs at the Adelaide Street Oval, where you know there'd always be a schooner ready for him. And uh, you know, we absolutely loved him in the change room, no doubt about it. Hey, Shaq, we haven't spoken to you since the Cats annihilated Sydney in the grand final. What a performance from from Dad's army. You know, the ageing roster at the Cats were just phenomenal on grand final day. And since then, we've heard of a couple of retirements, including the legendary Joel Selwood. Yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing performance, really. Like, I, I didn't really see it coming, to be honest. I thought they might have got the chocolates, but not in the way they did. Uh, they just started to get out of the blocks and never looked headed, did they? It was just, um, they just controlled the game and just 
didn't let Sydney into the contest. It was amazing. And like I said, they lose Joel Selwood. But otherwise, what they've done over the, I guess, the, the period in terms of the trade period, it's been outstanding. And they look like they're just every bit of a chance to go again next year, despite, you know, continually being referred to as Dad's Army. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should mention that, Jack. Look, it's a, it's a, I think it's a good media line, I really do. But I think when you look at the way sports science has changed, and and full credit to, to Brad Scott, he had that his side primed to the to the minute. They did the did the work during the year where they were able to, you know, to, to rest players they needed. I remember Patrick Dangerfield's a classic case. Yeah, there would have been a number of times during the year where he had coming off a calf injury, and he said, "I'm right to play this week," and Geelong said, "No." and Oh, I'll play next week. No, and they, they rested him an extra two or three weeks because they didn't want him in round 15 firing. They wanted him in the finals firing. And look, the final series that he had just probably really epitomises the job and, they did. And boys, could you imagine if Dangerfield went through his career without winning a flag? Uh, and also, Jeremy Cameron, for that matter. The way they managed Jeremy Cameron this year, and what a superstar he is, always has been, even when he was at the Giants. Yeah, you look at that as well. And just the way that they've been able to... Yeah, so Jeremy Cameron comes in and everyone's thinking when he comes in, oh, great, he'll be a replacement for, for Tom Hawkins. He's not a replacement for Tom Hawkins. He, I reckon he, he's, he compliments Tom Hawkins. He, Tom Hawkins' game's gone to another level. He's yes. gone from not only having to kick the goals now, but he, the number of goal assists that Tom Hawkins has now is phenomenal. And I think that and that's you know, that's because of Jeremy Cameron's coming there. Plays, it takes a lot of pressure off him as well. And then you get Tyson Stengel who comes in from from virtually, you know, from, from the wilderness effectively. We've had a couple of AFL clubs where it didn't work out to come in and have the year he had. And, uh, look, it's full credit. They do it very well off-field there. And, it, it's, you know, they, they contend every single year, which in, in this day and age in, in the professional sport where salary caps and, and drafts and things like that, to, be able to, to compete every year is a credit to their, their club. And, Shaq, you'd know more than us because you're a student of the game, but didn't they change the way they use their ruckmen around the ground? So effectively they didn't want like a lumbering tractor or a camel of a ruckman they wanted someone super mobile and so they changed the way the positions play yeah and i think that's the way the game is evolving i mean to be honest that's almost the way from a client of our perspective we play with, with jai bobi this year you kind of you see that with the good size and things as you said you kind of can't afford to have a 120 kilo guy that just kind of mopes around the field you want you want guys that have got mobility and they can become an extra on baller and they can, you know, start to hurt sides, you know, with that with that running. So, yeah, I think that's... And that ruck position becomes, you know, so key. And I think the, to Gary's point before, too, like the way they've brought in Jeremy Cameron and then released, you know, I guess, Hawkins and the way he uses the ball in general play is, is outstanding. So I think that forward line just revolutionised itself. And that's, the story of Stengel is just... Yeah, amazing in itself as well. So, yeah, there's so many good stories out of that one win. Uh, and, and again, for Dangerfield to win a premiership feels like it's just so deserved as well. So, I mean, I'm not a Cats fan by any stretch, but it was there were so many nice things to come out of it. Yeah, yeah, they showed so much class after they won as well. Hey, uh, normally you'd hold your presentation night at the club. Mingara must have loved having you there. And, yeah, that's a, that's a club that means so much to the whole community. So... Uh, what was the feedback on holding it there last night? Oh, I think it was good. Like, I mean, obviously, it's great for the club to host it at Adelaide Street, but at the same time, it's nice for you know the volunteers and that not to have to be organising the night and just to turn up. And Mingara put on a really good show, and Michael Smith, um, you know, the women's coach, got all the night all set up and then put on a you know an absolutely great event. I mean, there was 150, 60 people there, and you know, it was it was packed, and yeah, it was it was nice actually to be at a different venue and just sit back and enjoy it and obviously celebrate a pretty good season. 
Hey, can you just give us the final numbers? So Josh Mifsud wins best and fairest at the Premiership winning Kalani Vale Bombers. What was what was his final tally? And tell us about the runners-up. Uh, I think he finished on about 95 votes, and I think he was about 30 votes clear of, of second, which was Rick White. And then I think from second through to about fifth, there was only a couple of votes that separated us. So it was first daylight for second, and then it was just an arm wrestle from there all the way through the votes. So, yeah, he was, he was comfortable in the end. Yeah. So Shaq, so presentation I was always seen as a as the end of one season. So, but yeah, the, the seasons quick yeah, click over pretty quickly now. So, so as premiers, where where do we go to from here? So, what's your program as, as head coach? When when do we expect to see the players back on track? Yeah, we um a bit like the story with we talked before about Geelong and that ability to keep getting themselves up. I guess you got to start climbing the mountain again. You know, you start back at the bottom and you do it all again. So we start on the 15th of November and the boys get back from their footy trip on the Monday and we uh we start training on the Tuesday. So I guess from now on. <laughs> I'm going to make them hurt for a little bit. We've got six weeks then before Christmas that we'll um we'll work pretty hard, get the K's back in the legs. We've kind of we want to build a pretty strong base. So then once we get into into the season, we've got a bit of room to move with fitness, and we can spend time on our structures and, and that. So yeah, six weeks hard till Christmas. We've got six weeks after Christmas. We'll, we'll we'll kind of shorten training up into more dynamic, hard repeat efforts and recovery focus. And then we've got a pre-season camp, which will basically put a exclamation mark on that part of our season. And then from this pre season camp in the mid-Feb, we then transition into preparing for the season. It gives us six weeks for trial matches and back into our structures. Hey boys, uh, on the text line, 0477 736 736, it sounds like Buttes might be on shaky ground. So this text message says, Gaza going great and this guy, I'll give you a, give you a clue. He was the Rookie of the Year in the National Rugby League at the Newcastle Knights before Andrew Johns. And he says, so champion halfback, played almost 200 games in the National Rugby League. And he says here, Shaq is killing it. So, but he also says, where's Buttes? (laughs) 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 So, good on you, Shaq. Uh, You've got a vote of approval from former halfback of the year in the National Rugby League. Uh, Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Uh, Giving you a standing ovation again. Congratulations, to Kalani Vale Bombers, what a season. And I've got one word for you, mate. Dynasty. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it was Thanks a great so grand final. Please, 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 please. It was a terrific grand final. Well done to Terrigal Avoca as well, who've been a powerhouse in this competition. I've got to say, there's been some so much fantastic local sport this year. So Kalani Vale winning after 15 years. Terrigal in the soccer or the football, defeating Kalani after Kalani were undefeated in the home and away season. That was a grand final for the ages where they came back. I think they were 2-0 down. 3-1. 3-1 down. And then the one that trumps them all for me is the Tookley Hawks winning yep. for the first time ever. Yeah, look, that was that was just a remarkable story. Especially when you look at Tookley. They played away from home all year. Yeah. Darren Kennedy over was out of action. So every game they played was effectively an away game. I know the back half of the year, while they were using the... Um, the back oval there at Wyong Leagues Club there, but phenomenal effort though. Phenomenal. Yeah, and against the clubs that have got huge backing. Uh, I feel like there should be a Hollywood movie made about the Tookley Hawks. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, Jake Fitzpatrick, what a story. Yeah, you know, a lot of boys that have played at previous clubs and, yep. 
yeah, they get the job done in emphatic style against Erina. We're off to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. We'll tell you about their open day, which is coming up soon, if you'd like to work at Robson's, and also McDonald Jones Homes on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. And we're live from Tugra Sporting Complex. By the way, if you miss anything this morning, we've got the Catch-Up podcast. Comes out right about lunchtime today. And thanks to Adam Staples, who puts that together online for us. All you have to do is download the SEN app and the Saturdays on the Coast catch-up podcast out a little bit later on. So there's been plenty of action here. We've had a half century in the game on the northern field between the Coast Coast and Northern Inland. Yeah, youngster Ava Ryan from uh, from the Coast Chargers. He's 50 not out and hitting the ball quite well. Actually, the Coast Chargers are going really well at the moment. They're, oh. they're one for 132 off 13 overs and just another boundary just hit by, by Ava Ryan there. It wasn't Ava, it was the other bat there who's hit that that uh, that boundary there, so they're certainly going to put a, a big tail on the board. And Central Coast, we've come to a bit of a bit of a slow halt down here. We've lost a, a few wickets. Currently four for fifty off thirteen overs. Um, Rochelle Davis, she's batting quite. Oh, she just hit that quite well. My goodness, that is beautiful. It's over the fence. That's a big six. Yes. Rochelle Davis, great hit there. So she's batting with Jess Holmes at the moment. So they just the spinners have tied them down pretty pretty well at the moment. But if they can finish off the last seven overs, they can get to 120, it would be a fantastic effort and giving something to bowl to us. There's a, another wicket has just fallen uh, over on the ground behind us. Uh, second wicket there, but no, that was a big hit there. That was a, a great hit. Yeah, and when do you feel like, with seven overs left, like, they've got six wickets in hand, when do they really pull the trigger? Oh, they'll be going now. They'll be going going hard now. and um, So more uh, runs here, maybe yeah, two, two at two least? Yep. So, um, so it's a good, good little spell here. You know, Rochelle Davis, she's a very, very experienced player, and uh, from Wyong, and she's the weird keeper also. So she's um, uh, so expect if she can bat through, she can bat through till the end of the 20 overs. That's what they need. They need, they need one of these to Jess Holmes is batting. They can both hit the ball really hard. They can clear the boundary, but one of them needs to to bat all the way through. We can't be continually having new batsmen come into the crease. And, yeah, it looks like a looks like a drinks break here at the moment. Can you just for our listeners who may have missed what happened last night, can you quickly recap where we're at in this regional bash country women's T20? Right. So the, the format of the competition, Steve, is there's two pools. Pool A is being played here, obviously this weekend. Pool B, which is down the south, that's played next weekend. And um, so the four sides. So we've got Northern England Bowlers, which are Tamworth, Cost Charges, which is the North Coast. Newcastle and Central Coast. So the top two sides from today will go through to the finals day, which is held at North Sydney Oval in February. Is February Riverina the reigning champs? Uh, Riverina are the reigning champs. Yeah, they beat Coffs Coast uh, Chargers in the final last year. So, um, so we so last night we played Coffs Coast Chargers, who were runners up, and we had a really good first win that we've ever had. So a really strong performance there. So, so that mm-hmm. put us at Newcastle defeated Northern England Bolters quite easily as well. The, the Bolters are a really young side, so. Um, they're just learning, learning the way. You know, we saw Michael Phillips. He joined us in the first hour. But we also we saw him at the season launch. And he said one word that still resonates with me about this Central Coast women's team. He said the fundamental key for this team is mindset. Mm. So yeah. he said the talent's there. Yep. They just have to believe. That's right. And one thing he also so mentioned uh, off-air today was just 
just the influence that, that Grace Dignams has. So Grace didn't play last year, so she's only come back and played in, in our competition. I suppose, and that's probably something else I should mention, Steve. So this is actually a zone of origin carnival. So because women's cricket's still evolving uh, in the country, not every zone association has their own women's competition. So they are able to bring players who play in Sydney, who come from North Coast, for example, don't play cricket in the North Coast, but because they come from there, they can actually pick them. But we've got a policy here on, on the Central Coast oh. and the fact that... We've got a, a fully-fledged women's competition of junior women, senior women, right through. So to actually represent the Central Coast, this competition, you must play in our local competition. So last year we had Grace Dignan and Sophie Shelley, who were both played first-grade cricket for Northern District, but because they didn't play in our local competition, we didn't pick them. So they've now come back. They now play this year in our local competition. And just having them in our side improves at no end. So whilst, yes, not picking those players last year probably, probably affects our performance, but... Really, see, we're, we're we're interested in growing our women's competition, and if they're not playing in our local competition, they're not actually giving anything back. But these girls have come back, been great influences around the side, not only on performance, but more so when you talk about mindset, is that they bring such a positive attitude, a professional attitude to a lot of these girls who are just starting out. A lot of them are young, and so they're putting them on the right track, and and the influence that they've had in such a short time has been immense, and and the result that we had yesterday certainly attributes uh, to that. Hey, Gary, uh, I'd like to know how old the youngest player is because we've got a fielder here right in front of us wearing the number 30 shirt for Newcastle. She looks like she might be 14 at, at the most, but maybe you can get that intel for us. Also, before we finish the show this morning, there is Central Coast. The cricket competition continues this weekend, so we'll get an update on what's happening there. Right now, though, we're off to the news. We told you we'd mentioned about the Robson Civil Project's open day, so they're seeking to employ a number of motivated beginner operators wanting to enter the construction industry. So together with RAS Training and Services, they're holding an open day Saturday, 19th of November from 8.30 until 1. Now that's at West Track. Uh, so we've probably all been past that on the way to the Newcastle Airport. It's at West Track at uh, Tomago. And you can see a range of construction equipment in action. Learn about Robson's approach to various aspects of the industry. And you need to RSVP by the 11th of November. So we might put these details up on our on our uh, SEN Facebook page, but it's an opportunity to enter the industry with Robson Civil Projects. What a great opportunity that is. Like, do you, if you want to get into that industry, and so there'd be no one better to work for than, than, than Robson Civil Projects. You know, they're fantastic. For, you only hear good things about them. They're well-established. That And to get that opportunity, that open day, you know, it's too good an opportunity to pass up. Yeah. Maybe, Steve, maybe we might head up. <laughs> Absolutely. Off to the news. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back live at Tugra Sporting Complex. Uh, Central Coast just lost another wicket against Newcastle, and uh, you're grimacing. Yeah, Jess Holmes just got bowled uh, by Tara French, who obviously, who ironically, is a Central Coast player. So, um, yeah, yeah, what is happening there, Burko? There needs to be some um, kind of Spanish Inquisition. Well, the interesting part, though, Steve, is she actually made herself unavailable for the Central Coast because she was going to Kingscliff today. The CHS Carnival's played in Kingscliff next week. And, so and now Tara's here. Tara's playing for Newcastle. So well, we better is, be careful, mate. We can't yeah, be disparaging no, no. toward the young lady. No, well, no, nothing to do with Tara. No, it's not. No, she's she was Newcastle selector, so that's that's Newcastle. Newcastle. So you're saying that the Newcastle selectors, there's some subterfuge. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yes. 
Uh, no, no, she's a she's a she's a very good player, Tara French. She's very very good. She plays with Terrigal on the on the um, on the Central Coast, um, and probably ironically, though, she probably would have been playing for Central Coast if she had declared her availability for that. She said that she'd be available to play. Yeah, I'm glad you said all this on the record on air. Yep. Hey, uh, by the way, I don't know if you followed this little soap opera, but Brad Porter, the former Mariner, one of my favourite Mariners of all time, he's been joining us lately, and. He's usurped Adam Kwasnick. Really? Yeah. Now, Quas is held in high esteem within the SEN network, but Brad Porter has quickly, rapidly, maybe taken the number one mantle. Really? And Brad Porter joins us. And Quas has actually messaged, uh, speaking about inquiries, I think Quas, the word on the street is he's not happy. Yeah. Brad Porter, can you enlighten us? How is the second greatest goal scorer at the Mariners faring this week? Yeah, look, he's okay. He's okay. He's, as I said last week, he's been a little bit quiet. Um, but uh, obviously getting in touch with you guys and you've, you've given him a little bit of reinsurance. So, um, yeah, he knows he's, he's, he's number two. So he's, he's comfortable with that for now. <laughs> I can't believe how quickly you've gone to number one in the pecking order after just two weeks on the show. Yeah, look, incredible, isn't it, Steve? It's, a, it's been a meteoric rise um, after, after 10 years out of the game. But... Um, I'm not complaining, Stephen, either of the listeners. Yeah. Uh, mate, I'm glad you've got a fan club already. You sound like Tony Clark. You might be the new benchmark. Yeah, look, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Okay, Mariners get their first win, 4-2. They were down 2-0. There's a red card to Nikolai Topor Stanley. And then suddenly, I think in a 23-minute period, we score four goals. Tell us more. Yeah, look, it was great that the, the side got back to winning ways last week, opened their uh, account for the for the season. Uh, really good performance all around, I think. Even even though we went down 2-0 uh, within 20, 28 minutes of the game, you, you just felt both the goals kind of came against the run of the play. And um, I was confident, even at 2-0 down, that we'd get back into it. And obviously the red card was, was certainly a help. Um, but I think the, the stats tell a story. I think we had 24 shots to four throughout the 90 minutes. So it was a, a comprehensive victory. And, and some players who probably didn't do themselves justice the week before, we spoke about individuals that weren't at their best, players like Farrell and, and Ayongo, they've actually come off the bench and, and scored. So um, all as well for, for tonight's clash against the Wanderers. Yeah, Brad, so it was obviously an important win last week. And to actually turn around and... You know, and define the goals. So, what what was the turnaround? What what made them sort of, I suppose, convert those opportunities that they haven't done so far this year? Yeah, look, it's it's difficult to say. I, I had a good chat with uh, with Monty through the week, and and he kind of felt, even though they hadn't picked up results in those first couple of weeks, he he as the coach of the team felt that um, they weren't too far off. I, I think if you look at obviously the game against the Jets that was washed out, that doesn't help in terms of momentum in the league table. Um, you know, we obviously caught the a 90th minute equaliser over in Wellington, so we haven't been that far off. It was probably only the Perth game that um, you know, the side didn't perform well. So, yeah, look, great result last week, and, and as I said, hopefully we can carry that confidence into tonight's game. Yeah, and Brad, what about the work from Garang Qual setting up Jason Cummings? Can you try to describe just the beautiful flair and creativity from a young player to find Cummings? Both of them, Socceroos. Yeah, look, it was great to see both of them in top form last week. And and Garang just does that time and time again. When he's at his best and, and against 
you know, opponents that are tired. You know, I think he's probably, and I had a chat with him the other day and, and you know, I asked him the question if he was disappointed at not starting games. But, um, and he's actually enjoying come off, coming off the bench at the minute. I think when he, you know, when he starts a game, it's a little bit different. You've got to do a little bit more defensive work. The game's a little bit tighter. Um, I think as the, as the game wears on, it opens up. Um, his, you know, explosivity and his ability to, to go beyond players, whip in crosses, create and score goals um, is a huge asset for the team. Tonight, we take on the Western Sydney Wanderers who've had a fantastic start to the season themselves. What are you hearing out of our camp? Do we pretty much go with an unchanged lineup? Yeah, look, it's difficult to say. I mean, uh, I know Monty's confident. Um, you know, I've... You know, I've seen the Wanderers play a little bit. I've seen them on a couple of occasions this season, and they're getting results. But if I look at their overall performances, I haven't been overly impressed. Um, so yes, they're sitting second in the ladder, three wins and a draw. But yeah, look, I'm I'm backing us tonight. Um, I think if we play anywhere near where we were last week, um, I think we can certainly certainly do one on the Wanderers tonight. Actually, I'd have to agree with you because after watching the Wanderers play Newcastle last week. I think, and I'm not sure I should say this publicly, but I think I lasted 30 minutes, Brad, before I flicked over to watch yeah. some other sport. Because, yeah, maybe you spoil it watching the EPL, but, you know, there was just hardly anything happening in the final third. Far too many back passes for my liking. And when you watch the EPL, Gary and I were just talking off the air about the all-out attack that you love to see. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, the Mariners are at their best as well. I think... You know, if you look at the game last week and, and a lot of occasions last season when the team's doing well, it is that all-out attack. We get bodies bodies in motion going forward. Um, but I agree with you. You look at a team like the Wanderers, you know, they like to sit deep. Um, they're very pragmatic in their approach. Um, it's not necessarily easy on the eye, but if they continue picking up results, you know, we can't, we can't complain and we can't argue with it. Speaking of the EPL, so we've got a blockbuster this weekend. Uh, Arsenal versus Chelsea. Yeah, look, a, a massive game. Um, Chelsea, you know, got back to winning ways during the week uh, in the Champions League, beating Dinamo Zagreb. But you know, they were obviously, um, you know, they were humbled last week by by Brighton, um, which was obviously a massive, a massive result. Um, obviously, their managers come from Brighton, so that was a huge, huge for that small club. But they'll be looking to get back to winning ways. And for Arsenal, it's another opportunity for them to really. Um, yeah, everyone's kind of waiting for Arsenal to do an Arsenal and um, you know slip up and, and move back to the pack. But I'll tell you what, if they get a result at Chelsea this weekend, you know they have to start to be you know talked about. I think as as title challenges for Manchester City. The other big game, Brad, obviously is Tottenham against Liverpool. Tottenham scraped through to the the knockout stage of the Champions League during the week, and uh, and Liverpool they've mixed their form pretty well much this year. Yeah, look, Liverpool have got all sorts of issues. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of debate about whether they're, you know, they're at the end of their cycle and, you know, whether Jurgen Klopp's kind of um, left it a little bit late to refresh things. I think they've got one of the oldest um, starting 11s in the Premier League, so there's certainly a few questions being asked there. Um, Tottenham, on the other hand, they're a side that's picking up results, but probably similar to the conversation we had about the Wanderers. They're, they're getting results, but they're not necessarily playing great football at the moment. So... Um, I mean, this could go either way. The fact that it's at Tottenham, you know, I'd probably lean towards them um, in terms of getting the result. But, yeah, who knows? Yeah, and I guess a lot of us love Newcastle when Alan Shearer was there. What a stellar career he had. But 
now we, we've almost been hit by a ball here. Uh, the game that's on the northern field, uh, the white ball has come and almost struck us. Uh, now that Garanquol's got a connection with Newcastle, even though he'll go straight out on loan, I feel like everyone on the Central Coast will follow Newcastle more closely. They're having a sensational year. They're on 24 points, sitting fourth at the moment, Brad, and they're away against Southampton this weekend. Yeah, look, they're flying at the minute. Um, unfortunately, they got uh, they got up over my club, Aston Villa, last week, so I wasn't wasn't uh, overly impressed with that. But, oh, how um, bad with Villa? Yeah, we were bad, we were bad. But um, you know, you and I, Emery takes over this week against United, so we'll see. But um, yeah, look, Newcastle, obviously, new ownership, and, and they've signed a lot of players. But you know, I think you've got to give Eddie Howe credit because it's not just the players and the money that they've spent. Um, yeah, they, they're getting the best out of some players in that squad who, were, who have been there since they were down in the, the relegation places. So, um, yes, they've spent a lot of money, but I think you've got to give the manager a great deal of credit for getting the best out of, of the players they already had. Hey, BP, any final words this morning in this outstanding A-League and EPL segment? No, look, no final words from me. I'm, look, I'm excited to, to delve a little bit deeper into this podcast idea, Steve. I think uh, I think the listeners on the coast would enjoy it. Maybe even you know we could even add in a cameo for Quaz. You know, not so much for the listeners, but more so for him and you know his self-esteem. But um, what, what are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. What we need to do is talk to sponsors, and uh, then we can take this a little further. The next step. Absolutely, mate. Well, my people talk to your people, and we'll go from there. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie A Star Is Born? You never did. Chris Christopherson. No. And uh, uh, that's the original, but right. it came out a few years ago with Lady Gaga. Brad right. Porter is Lady Gaga, in my opinion. Not Chris Christopherson. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a break. We'll come back in a moment. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Final break of the day at Tugra Sporting Complex and the Central Coast have just finished their T20 innings at the Regional Bash against Newcastle and just shy of 100. Yeah, finished with 7 for 93, so probably less than what they'd, they'd hoped they would have got, but we'll give them something to bowl. The spinners were very good from Newcastle. They bowled very, very disciplined and uh, uh, yeah, obviously getting uh, uh, Grace out early would certainly help them, but they, you know, 93 something to, to defend. They'll have to bowl very, very well though. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Hey, uh, just a couple of updates. So this weekend is the State Challenger Series uh, Championships at Gosford, so they're 16 footers. And during the week, Tom Slingsby, we covered this for NBN News on Monday, uh, he was second in the TP52 series. That was in Barcelona. Now he'll head to Pensacola in Florida, and he'll be part of American Magic. So they're, they're getting ready for the America's Cup in 2024, which is also being held in Spain. I was thinking about it too. Tom Slingsby, he would have to be in a photo finish, if not the greatest Central Coast athlete of all time. So he's a two-time World Sailor of the Year, Olympic gold medalist, in 2012 in London, five-time laser world champion, America's Cup sailor. Doesn't matter what boat you put him in, the guy is an absolute superstar, but this is a region that's been, you know, that's been pound for pound one of the greatest sporting areas in, in Australia. I'll right, put you on the spot then, Steve. So then who would challenge him? You know, Tom's not a fantastic 
performance he does across all different boats. So, so who who would challenge him as who are the other con- contenders for that award? Yeah, look, it's a little hard. You've got to compile a list, but don't, don't forget we had Mark Edmondson, mm-hmm. like from the mid seventies yep. in tennis. We had the Roycroft family here. Mm-hmm. We've had so many incredible surfers, but gee, I don't think too many of them match Tom Slingsby's CV at the moment. Let's not forget, he's still got so long to go in his stellar career. Yeah, yeah. Look, Ben. Yeah. Fantastic performance. T- ticks every single box, he doesn't does. he? He does, and and like and his versatility. No matter what boat, no matter what boat, what event, you know, he, he, he can perform in it. Yeah. You know? How have you enjoyed it this morning? We've Love had it. text messages coming through saying yep. that Butes, Butes is in danger of not returning. I mean, he's away nah. next week. Nah, Butes is legendary. Yeah, you, know, you, you 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 can't bring someone in off the bench just to fill in when someone who's been in the role, who's, who's been <laughs> such a legend in the sport. Yeah, you know, everyone can come in and just be a little, you know, a little flicker here and do a job there, but. Over the over the course of the journey, Butch has just proven that he is the he is top notch. Yeah. So you think England win against Sri Lanka and the Aussies go out of the T Twenty World Cup? Yep. And England will go through and, and win the World Cup. I think that. I think in the in the league, I think Australia, New Zealand, England, and Tonga will go through complete. I think Tonga will beat tomorrow, and what should be yeah. a fantastic. Uh, fantastic game of football, yeah, well, so I think that'll be. And I think the Gillaroos will keep winning. I think well, don't, don't too much doubt yeah, about that. Yeah, Brad Donald, their head coach, he came on my podcast recently. Yeah. I think you'll feel the earth shake when Tonga and Samoa play. We'll feel reverberations from yeah. here. And that's before they even kick off. Yeah, <laughs> AFLW finals. Yeah, big big week for them. Their first round of finals sort of been AFLW sort of been lost amongst. I think the WBBL sort of been lost a little bit with with everything else that's going on. But Melbourne last night beat beat Adelaide, Brisbane Richmond tonight in the other qualifying final Geelong North Melbourne and Collingwood Western Bulldogs of the other elimination finals who's the team to beat uh, Melbourne I think Melbourne will be the team Melbourne and Brisbane I think they'll, yeah. be, they'll fight it out I've got to say I've actually been like I've followed the Aussies in the T20 but I haven't got a whole lot of interest at the moment in the Big Bash. How yeah. about you? Yeah, about the same. I think it sort of gets lost. You know, there's an overload of cricket on. I think I go towards the, 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 the T20 more so than the, the WBBL at the moment, which is a bit disappointing, WBBL, because they're certainly playing some very, very good cricket there as well. Yeah, NBL last night, I caught some of that, and uh, Cairns, uh, a massive win, and Sydney on top of the table yeah, still. Yeah, with the breakers, both 6-2, and two, so so that that's uh, they've been one of the improvers, the breakers, so that's been good, but... Certainly some plenty of good cricket here, though. So yeah. some, a bit of work to be done by Central Coast. Hopefully they, they get the win here or, or one this afternoon and get it through to the final. We need to go. Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure broadcasting live from the regional bash. Hopefully we'll be at the Relay for Life next week nice. for the Cancer Council at uh, at Mingara. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Adam back at headquarters. Thanks to our technician, Valentine Holmes. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the coast.